0: Okay. All right, Uh, folks, we are live. Uh, So good afternoon, uh, Tennessee Valley. This is the Valley Labor Report. We are coming to you in the middle of the week. My name is uh, Jacob Morrison. It is Thursday, April the 1st, and we are broadcasting live online from my living room in beautiful downtown Huntsville, Alabama. Today, we are talking to International human rights attorney Thomas Becker. Uh, Longtime viewers will remember him from our Bolivia series. He's going to be talking to us about the hubbub surrounding uh, the prosecution of coup officials by the Moss government. Uh, so yeah, thanks for tuning in. You all know where you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash the valley labor report. We're on Twitter at Labor Reporters. I'm on Twitter at Jacob M underscore A L. David is on Twitter at Radical Unionist. That's spelled R-A-D-I-C-L Unionist. He's not joining us today, but that's where you can find him. You can always go back and watch our past streams. So if you need to dip out sometime during the evening. N- uh, no worries about that, uh, you're still gonna be able to find it. So um, you can also listen to us in podcast form on your listening platform of choice. And hey, make sure that you're subscribed to the channel and following us on all those social media places because on Saturday, we're talking to another lawyer. I just realized that when I was writing up the the thing, the intro for tonight, uh, but we're talking to Brandon Magner. He's a labor lawyer and we're gonna be talking to him about what the Amazon union election would have looked like If the PRO Act had been law, after that, we're probably heading down to walk the line with striking coal miners uh, in Alabama. So we may be sending you a dispatch from Brookwood uh, on Saturday afternoon. And a little birdie told me that Lee Baines may be there on the line with his guitar as well. If you appreciate our work and want to help us stay on the air, then the best way to do that is to send us uh, to send a small amount of money our way. We've got hats and stickers on our website. You can find those at thevalleylaborreport.org. Uh, and if you just want to send us a couple dollars a month, then you can go to patreon.com slash the Valley Labor Report. So Thomas Becker is an international human rights attorney. Uh, He successfully tried a a former Bolivian president, uh, the first time that was ever done on American soil. Uh, he's a graduate, and I believe he's a professor at Harvard Law School, uh, but perhaps most impressively, he was a guest on our program back in November. <laughs> so, uh, Mr. Becker, thanks for taking the time to join us. We really appreciate it.
1: Oh, thank you. You're trying to get listeners. Why are you inviting all these, these lawyers on?
0: I know. Right. Well, you know, y'all, sometimes y'all, sometimes y'all have interesting things to say sometimes <laughs> occasionally.
1: occasionally.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, you, uh, I think uh, that you have done a very good job, um, in, in Bolivia, the work that you've done, you know, I'd really encourage folks to listen to our conversation back in November. Um, But, you know, so to get everyone caught up real quick, I think we're probably going to go deeper into the background later. But uh, there was a coup in 2019 when Evo Morales was pushed out of power and Janine Añez took over. If you don't believe it was a coup, you should really go back and watch our series on that um, and get back with me. (laughs) But the coup government presided over the bloodiest months in Bolivian history in the democratic age. Read... Outside of the dictatorships, Morales's MAS party, the movement towards socialism, uh, won power again in the elections in 2020. Uh, The MAS is now headed by President Luis Arce, and they've recently begun prosecuting officials from the coup government, including former President uh, Anez. This has been decried by like a vast majority of the kind of liber- liberal international political establishment from the Washington editor uh, the Washington Post editorial board Amnesty International the Organization of American States the European Union the Bolivian Conference of Catholic Bishops and even the United States Secretary of State Tony Blinken accusing the Moss of continuing a crisis of impunity that judicial act Uh, that judicial channels have become repressive instruments of the ruling party and accusing the Moss of being anti-democratic. Becker, you fought against the coup government. You fought against the conservative government before the Moss party. And you fought against the Moss government while they were in power for uh, legitimate human rights abuses that they did so you're clearly, you know, you're a straight shooter. If somebody, if, if, if somebody um, commits human rights abuses, you're there and you're going to call a spade a spade. It doesn't matter if they call themselves a socialist or not. Uh, is, is Moss overstepping here?
1: No. <laughs> In short, no. The, you know, the ex-government of, of Giannini and Anya's carried out massive human rights violations. Uh, they carried out a coup. And, and just to give a little context, Bolivia has had, I believe, 196 coups or revolutions since you know the mid-1800s. It's it's had the most or one of the top countries in the world of coups. And so there's this horrible history of undemocratically removing people from power. So there needs to be <laughs> accountability for this behavior. And so this government is holding accountable on this. I think there's a lot of criticisms on, on the ways in which it's going about or the laws. I mean, there is... A, you know, as you said, I'm happy to criticize all sides, because I think it's my responsibility. A lot of the Bolivian laws are vague, they're using laws such as sedition and terrorism, which I think are like, you know, very ambiguously worded and problematic laws. But those are the laws in the books, and they've been the laws in the books for decades. And they're utilizing the laws on the books to hold accountable people who who really oversaw massacres, torture, arbitrary detentions, uh, the list goes on and on. So, you know, it's actually somewhat ironic to you know, claim what the, the current government is doing as, as political persecution when something like 1,500 people were, were detained during Anya's government for, you know, literally walking in the wrong neighborhood, being indigenous in a neighborhood of, of light-skinned rich people, uh, writing articles criticizing the government, uh, holding flyers that say, you know, bullets for the poor, money for the rich. These are things that people were charged with sedition and terrorism for. That's political persecution.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Well, so, you know, what are so who, who specifically is being uh, is being prosecuted? Or I guess who are some of the biggest names? Well, I
1: mean, certainly Anya as, as the ex-president. She's, you know, probably the highest level player. Uh, there's a few people that two fled to the United States, um, uh, Murillo, who was the interior minister, and Lopez, who was the defense minister, both allegedly are residing in, in Florida right now, uh, which is always kind of a has become a safe haven for a lot of (laughs) despots that flee uh particularly latin american countries but many countries after committing horrible abuses um and and several military officials uh i believe a few a couple high level police officials um and and you know it's just beginning because this is the complicated part is there were so many human rights abuses that happened over this year and so some of the people being arrested have been arrested under uh kind of this the the coup aspect, some are being arrested under the massacres, and uh, it is a bit messy right now. uh, And I think a lot of those will be filtered into one, Um, Mm. but, and and it's, you know, without boring you, without getting into all the legal stuff, you know, there's different jurisdictions, there's different prosecutors in different regions. So there's all these different cases that have now finally begun to advance. I mean, during the the government of Anya's, none of this stuff, you know, the victims had no outlet for justice. Now they're kind of running forward and trying to get what they can, and I think they're throwing at the wall to see what sticks. Um, mm. But it's certainly like you know, it, it, it is an attempt to get justice for those who who suffered immense immense violations over the last
0: year and a half or so. Can you talk about uh, you know? I think I, I think this it, it, it would be a good time to go over like what 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 are the things that that uh, uh, that they did that they're being prosecuted for now. Um, You know what uh, I I said in the opening that the that the coup government presided over some of the bloodiest months in the democratic age in Bolivia. I mean, this is you know, it was it was like real, real bad stuff. Talk to us about some of the stuff that uh, that that they're being prosecuted for. Yes, I'll give you
1: the, the cliff notes version. Um, I, I should preface it with, again, the, so this is the, the first step. There was an arrest warrant, which is the first step. And so she's been arrested for her role in the coup. Um, what's not clear yet is how many of the human rights violations will be then uh, basically attached or part of this case, or if it's going to be a separate trial. So I'm speaking in vague terms because, again, there's different processes, and it's not clear what exactly is going to fall under the umbrella uh, right now. But I will give context of, you know, what happened when, when Anya took power. So, you know, post-coup, her first week in power, her first days in power, she passed a decree, 4078, which gave uh, immunity to soldiers that carried out massacres. Uh, I think her third day in power, uh, she, she carried out, uh, military operations in a town of Sakaba um, a bunch of indigenous protesters came into town protesting, actually, you know, they try to dismiss it and say, oh, these are all masistas, supporters of the mosque government. Many were not necessarily supporters of the mosque government. They were out protesting because there had been a huge increase of hate crimes, uh, very targeted racialized crimes against indigenous people, particularly indigenous women. So there's, there was this March for Dignity, uh. And the government, uh, the military would not let them enter this large city of Cochabamba and open fire on them, killing about 10, 11, uh, injuring, I believe the, the official records are 122, um, but certainly more. I was there the day of the massacre uh, and I was with people in hiding who were injured, who were not reporting their, their injuries because they were scared they would be disappeared or that they would you know, register their name and come after them and their families. So, so the numbers are certainly, certainly higher. This is day three. Uh, four days later, there was another massacre in Sankata. Another, again, 10, 11 people killed, dozens injured. Um, in both of these places, everybody killed or injured, indigenous, <laughs> or a protester or a bystander. In terms of police forces or military forces killed or injured, there were zero. So these were very clear. I mean, I won't bore you with all the kind of the analysis we did, including like trajectory bullets and all this stuff. These were massacres, you know, it, 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 and, and again, she tried to give immunity to the soldiers that carried this out. This is her first week alone. And then it just, you know, continued and continued. So they started arresting people for sedition. The uh, minister of, of government said, we will hunt down members of the Moss Party like the animals they are. And they started going after them, arresting them one after another. Uh, the minister of communications said, we have a list of journalists that are seditious Uh, And they will be held accountable. And the way they did that is they went after them. They shut down stations that were critical of the Anya's government. Uh, They arrested certain journalists for sedition. They arrested even, I I think I mentioned this on your, you know, the last time we spoke. There was an article written by this student, a grad student, who published it on a website. And the domain owner of the website was charged with sedition and maybe terrorism as well for just owning the domain. Of this, that published this article, you know, it, 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 they really went after people who spoke out against the government really, really hard. Um, mm-hmm. There were several that were attacked. So they went after, I mean, you know, to summarize, they went after political opponents, uh, critics, journalists, human rights defenders, and, and you know really indigenous people. I mean, Adios, yeah. just to give a little context before she came in power, nobody really knew who she was. The only thing people knew about her is that she was this woman who had tweeted, tweeted, you know, indigenous rituals are satanic, you right. know, right. When she took power, she, she carried this Bible that was, you know, quite literally the size of her torso uh, mm-hmm. and said that, you know, that Pachamama will not return. The indigenous goddess will not return to the palace that, the, you know, the, the God has returned to the palace or something like that. So, you know, it, this very right wing, very very conservative Christian uh, with with really um, problematic views
0: towards indigenous people so you know I you know I preface I prefaced you know this part of the conversation with all of the denunciations by the um, you know by a lot of the international order what did they want the mosque government to do I mean you know they literally, the, the coup government I mean, they did a coup, you know, so there, there's one thing, right? But but they, they massacred people. They murdered innocent people that were protesting, exercising their right to freedom of speech, you know, and... and it, they murdered people and they did political persecution. Like you said, they, I, I don't think you said that the last time that, 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 you were on, maybe I'll, I'd have to go back and check, but you know, going after somebody for owning a domain to which an article was posted. I mean, that's like, you know, wh- what is our supposed to do now? What are they saying that he needs to do? You know, I, I so there's a mixture of voices. Um, I think really when,
1: when this first happened, it, Anya's had said, I'm being politically persecuted. And it was really seen as kind of almost, you know, fringish. People were like, you know, come on, after this whole year, you know, I don't know if you've got to play that card. Uh, But then you have Almagro, uh, you know, the secretary general of the OAS, who's been a really problematic player over the last, a very politicized player, uh, gone really hard after Bolivia, gone hard after other uh, human rights folks, and, and really, you know, got up really involved in this fraud mess. And I think he's just doubling down and and he came out and and condemned it. And then you have the U S government backing it. And then you do have, you know, organizations like human rights watch who, who also condemned it. Um, and, and, you know, from a, honestly, from a lawyer's perspective, I I think it was really premature to, so initially all the outrage was based on four leaked pages of a, a, an arrest warrant. Um, Mm. So initially, when that came out, I, the press was reaching out to me as well. And, and I didn't make a statement because there are four leaked pages. One, you have to verify they're real. Two, four of many pages. And these, by the way, these four leaked pages allegedly, I mean, they were allegedly leaked by someone who was pro Anya's to tip her off so that she could you know, escape from the country. So, you know, there's a lot of supporting documentation, not just four pages. So to prematurely make statements condemning this, um, you know, it's 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 pretty questionable from a lawyer's perspective. Like, And I it's why I didn't make statements initially, too, because if it was just those four pages, then that's one thing. If there's 300 supporting pages of all the abuses, boy, there's a lot, you know, to show crimes. And again, we still don't know if the human rights abuses are being absorbed into this or part of this uh, coup case or if it's going to be a separate trial. So, you know, I think one of the criticisms, and I agree with it, and I mentioned this already, is that Bolivia has very ambiguous Laws on terrorism and sedition that I think uh, have historically been used to go after political opponents. Um, Now, is that innate to this government? No. It's been the ones on the books for a long time. And Congress, I think, personally should write new laws. But utilizing the laws that are available to you to hold accountable people who carried out abuses, you know, we can have an intellectual discussion about, oh, these are too vague and, and we should change the law to this. That's fine. We can have that. But that does not. Inst- that does not mean that this is political persecution. It means this government's right. using what's available to them, and so I think it's really been derailed. The conversation has, has it's been a distraction, uh, you know. <laughs> About you know, folks have suffered so so much over the last year, and, and it's it's removed the conversation of all the victims to now Anya is the victim, and, it, and it's really problematic. Mm-hmm.
0: It's really problematic. So, uh, so is the criticism then? Is it even about um, do these people or do these people not deserve to be punished? Is it a is it actually just about the laws that are being used?
1: Well, so, so the human rights perspective, I uh, human rights watch, for instance, I think it's like, it's technicalities. It's like, mm. oh, are, these are not the right laws. They should utilize these other laws. And and my opinion is some of the other laws would probably be more effective. But I also think, I mean, like, l- let's just put it this way. She, you know, even if the sedition law is too vague, I can't think of a more <laughs> clear case of sedition than overthrowing a democratically elected <laughs> government, coming into power, and then using that power... Even if she was really an interim president, all, her only mandate was to call elections. Instead, right. she started just blasting through privatization policies, mm-hmm. blasting through these anti-Indigenous things and killing people. So right. in fairness, whatever it says on the books, that's pretty like black and white sedition. But I do think that like some of the other laws, crimes against humanity, extrajudicial killings, again, I'm not going to bore you with all the lawyer stuff. I think there are more... Um, I think there are different avenues that, that, uh, you know, might make more sense than the sedition laws or, or the, the terrorism laws. So, but that, so that's a very, like, I feel like kind of splitting hairs within the human rights conversation. Then you have the Mm. United States government who was not only silent during the massacres last year and silent during just widespread political persecution, but actually propped up this government, supported this government. So, you know, I think the u.s approach is different it's not about the technicality of the laws it's it's just a really politicized uh perspective and and it's it's both sides it's you know democrats and republicans Mm -hmm. you know this is
0: yeah well well now now tommy uh biden is president now i mean everything's better i thought (laughs) is what was supposed to happen yeah, I, I did read that on Facebook, but uh, <laughs> no, I
1: mean, I, I thought he
0: was great. I thought this was Uncle Joe and he was going to he was going to treat everybody good. And and there were no problems. That's what I've been led to believe.
1: Yeah, well, Uncle Joe is, you know, certainly surrounded with himself by some folks that I think have a pretty problematic past. Uh, certainly, you know, I, I recognize. So the Trump administration has just was just horrific on this stuff. We, there was hope that the Biden administration would be better, but part of this is, you know, some of the folks that have been ab- ad- advising Biden are are people, and I think I mentioned this on the on the show before. Um, Mar- Mark Firestein, or Fierstein, uh he's part of CLS Strategies. This is he's been an advisor to Biden. He was part of the Obama government, um, and he was hired by the Anya's government to spread fake news. Uh, CLS Strategies was the first organization. Punished U.S. organization punished by Facebook, Facebook for putting up, you know, fake news. Uh, they were spreading all this fake news and hashtags like no, is, it's no, it's not a coup, and uh, there's fraud. I mean, this is my rough translation, hashtag translation. But you know, right. when you have people that are hired by Anya's advising the Biden administration, it, it, you know, it shouldn't be a surprise that their their response is uh, less than even-handed. You know.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that how ought this affect the way that folks view people like Biden, the um, outlets like the Washington Post, um, the European Union, the Organization for American States, uh, because, you know, um, like I said, I know people that they read the Washington Post and they're like, this is good fact based liberal journalism you know never mind the fact that it's owned by jeff bezos but you know they they read the condemnation in the paper and they say wow you know these socialists in bolivia they must be bad um and and that opinion that reading of it is is you know certainly would be bolstered by uh you know i mean the the consensus position of the um of the international order like how how ought how ought this color the way that we view these these um, institutions?
1: Well, I mean, so as I mentioned earlier, unfortunately, like when this first happened, even folks that were kind of, I would say, coup supporters, I don't know if they necessarily thought this was political persecution, because it, again, Anya's it's, it's pretty black and white, some of the, her behavior. But then when you have these institutions saying, no, 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 this is, she's the victim, it really legitimizes what she said, and the, it's just snowballed. So you have, mm-hmm. when you have the State Department saying it, then you do have, you know, other allies in, in Latin America or in Europe saying, oh, what is going on with this government? And, and the really sad part is, you know, this is a, there's been a lot of signals of this government to reach across the aisle, uh, you know, in, in, in Lucho, Luis is, Arce is his name, but he goes by Lucho, in, in his acceptance speech, he said, this is a time for reconciliation. You know, we are a divided Bolivia. He recognized, you know, we may not even agree with how the other side approach things, but but we need to come together or Bolivia is going to crumble. And so yeah. you've seen all these steps towards that. And then, you, so this is not a radical government. Frankly, you know, if you look at the discourse of Evo Morales versus Lucho, you know, it's quite different or Chavez or, you know, Castro in Cuba, like he's a very Soft-spoken, you know, not a confrontational person, and the kind of person that's that's really looked at to to normalize relations with the United States. And, and it's a real unfortunate thing that, you know, the U.S. has responded like this. I, I know the the foreign relations minister is a human rights lawyer. He worked. I worked with him for years um, in a trial right. in Bolivia against generals and ministers who carried out the massacres. You know, as you mentioned, I have worked on this case against the ex president of Bolivia for years in the U.S but I also worked on an accompanying trial in Bolivia. And he was the lead lawyer on this. This is a person who's dedicated his life to human rights, to, to working with marginalized communities. Uh, he's of the people. I mean, he's an Aymara, you know, from a, a very humble background. Um, he's, you know, in short, he's a really good guy. He's not a confrontational guy. And this government, again, I, you know, I have my criticisms of certain things they've done, but they've really showed a lot of effort to kind of build relations with the united states build relations with the other side and then you have these these just blanket statements of this is political persecution this woman carried out massacres and and illegally came to power but it doesn't matter she's the victim not these indigenous people who were gunned down and it's really gonna just it's it's backing bolivia into a corner where you know in the end you know it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy i think they're going to isolate bolivia so much that they do have Mm. to um i don't think they're going to become extremists, but i think that it just pushes them to a situation where they will have to kind of isolate themselves more.
0: Right. Well, you know, speaking of like what the, the things that um, Anya's and her government were doing uh, during the coup, what was the posture of these institutions during the coup government? Because, um, you know, like I said, before, before we went live, like I don't recall seeing the, the, Pearl clutching Washington Post editorial board opinion piece about the coup government. Um, maybe there was one. You know, it was in power for a year, and I don't read the Washington Post every day. But like, where you know, wh- wh- where were all the all these institutions? What were they saying during the coup?
1: Well, so I will say that Human Rights Watch, when the coup happened, Jose Miguel Vivanco, who's the um, the head of the Americas division, uh, the one who's been outspoken about what's going on now, he did call it a coup. Uh, it, it's actually quite surprising um, you know he said it was a coup and, and really has never said it again since so I mm-hmm. don't know what's changed um, Human Rights Watch did put out a, a report on political persecution during Anya's and so I think a lot of his discourse around this about political persecution is kind of couched in what they've already focused on in Bolivia um, but yeah no I mean the US government was supportive of Anya's uh, you know Trump wrote tweets, Congratulating her for you know bringing democracy back to to Bolivia, ironically. Um, right. And you know, and, and the Washington Post had, had mixed. You, you know, on the one hand, you know they they did do a, a report on whether there was fraud and found that there was not fraud. Uh, mm-hmm. You know these allegations of fraud. Uh, they did do an, an I think a actually pretty good article in March 2020 on a lot of the abuses. But then they've kind of gone back and forth, and a lot of these do mm. y- 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 you know major papers go back and forth, and it. I think they, you know, try to claim this is balanced, but it's like, you know, opinions are one thing. News is news and opinions are another thing. And, and a lot of this stuff is just based on kind of partisan, uh, yeah, opinions, you know, I, I'm right. a human, right. I have my own personal opinions, but I'm a human rights lawyer. So like when I say mm-hmm. there's a massacre, it's not like I say, I, I, I think that there was a massacre. We spent eight months documenting this stuff, interviewing hundreds of people, including right. police and, and military and members of the government and all the victims and witnesses and analyzing bullet trajectories and all this stuff, like scientifically and academically and clinically, these were massacres. So these are not opinions, you know, or the right. law that she passed giving immunity to soldiers who killed people. That's objectively illegal. You know what I mean? This is not like, oh, I right. think it's bad. And I think a lot of the stuff is just turned into opinion pieces mm. uh, because, you know, folks lobby <laughs> the right people, mm. you know, and the Bolivian <laughs> sorry just to give a little context, the Bolivian Wright has been very, you know, the ex-president that I sued, his lawyer uh, was Obama's White House counsel. Uh, One of his lawyers, another one of his lawyers is Alan Dershowitz, who has represented Clinton and Trump. Um, The the list goes on. There's other people in the Bush administration, and they've been very strategic about having friends on both sides of the aisle. So you have kind of the ruling class. That's kind of always been the voice, um, I think, you know, filtering the information to folks in in the U.S. and the physicians of power. And so I think they just missed the mark over and over, unfortunately. And and you know it's poor and indigenous people that suffer.
0: Right, right. Yeah, it seems. It seems to me that that's kind of um, that's kind of the difference between like your work and maybe some and, and maybe some of these these condemnations that have come out uh, about the prosecutions because your work, even even when you were fighting the mosque government, you were you were fighting it on behalf of like working people uh it, it was um there there was a uh there was a pipeline or a road or something that was being built through an indigenous community and there were protests and and um the mos government had had people uh like there were people shot at or something it, isn't that yeah. right yeah, yeah and yeah and so you you like you know you, you challenged the mos government on that but that was not you know on behalf of like uh, uh, right-wing oligarchs <laughs> or coup and, 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 and something. And, you know, like, look, they just, des- you know, they, I mean, they deserve due process and, and, and things like that just as much as anybody, but like, you know, that's what they're getting right now, right? Like there, there would be no other, you know, in, in Blinken's tweet, you know, uh, there was something about there needs to be, uh, you know, there needs to be an in- uh, independent inquiry and a trial and due process. And it's like, how, how else do you have due process without a trial and without, yeah. you know, arresting them? Well, like- I mean,
1: the, the irony of, of the, particularly the U.S. State Department statement, one, I think they made it a day or two after prosecutors said that they have proof that they are going to probably bring charges for sedition against those who, who, who stormed the Capitol in the U.S., which is <laughs> bad, but drastically less than overthrowing a government, <laughs>
0: like right, and right. a
1: totally new government and. and Two, uh, you know, this is based on an arrest warrant. She, The bar in the United States is so shockingly low. And this is a criticism I have. I think that the bars are too low for arrest warrants. I think, you know, I, I have problems with, uh, you know, I'm somewhat of an abolitionist in general. So I can speak like abstractly or theoretically where I don't like some of these things. But, you know, it, I, I don't see where the United States has any space to, to make these criticisms where, you know, Some cop just feels like that guy's a person of color. I can go break into his house. That's enough to, you know, get her. Mm -hmm. Or I can just send this to a judge without anything. And, you know, you get an arrest warrant. This woman really carried out some pretty egregious things. The the other, I would say there's three people that are really in charge of the most egregious pieces of like the massacres. Two of them have fled to the U.S. You know, so Mm -hmm. there are reasons. It's not like they were like, oh, we just want to like throw her behind bars. To give a little more context, the the trial that I said I worked on with the, now the the minister of foreign relations. I believe that there were 19 people charged, uh, 19 ministers and um, and then an ex-president. 17 of them fled Bolivia and have never come back. Only two mm-hmm. ministers of all of them were held accountable because there is this culture of fleeing the country. And, and right. for instance, they live in the United States now. The U.S. isn't going to extradite them. They've, they sought the extradition of the ex-president that I've sued here. So it's mm-hmm. not like... It's really unfortunate to not talk about the context of, of the reality in Bolivia that people carry abuses and then flee to the United States or Colombia or Peru or Spain and, and get away with this stuff. And so right. this woman oversaw some really egregious things and was arrested. Again, I actually agree in, you know, somewhat with Human Rights Watch. I think that the terrorism charges are very vague. I think the language mm-hmm. should be narrowed down. Same with sedition. But I also do think that sedition, you know, overthrowing a government sounds pretty seditious to me.
0: Right. Are there any. uh, Okay. here's a question. Are there any coup government officials that like so you're you're saying that there are a lot of this. um, You're saying a lot of the criticism is kind of on technicalities. Right. That uh, these rules should maybe be changed. um, But but fundamentally, it seems to you that uh, like like, you know, maybe there should be a different law other than sedition but like Janine Anyes did sedition and and she deserves to be you know that the her victims deserve justice are there any people that are being prosecuted by the moss government that ought not be technicality or no are, are is, is there any place where the moss government is overstepping their bounds and like this is a person who is kind of incidental and not really um and and like they need to like be like let free or or like yeah the, no or, I, or something like that.
1: No, I see I know what you're saying. Um I don't know. Uh I haven't seen any, but I, I'm open to the fact that there there could be folks that have gotten rounded up. I mean, but I, when I say rounded up it, it really isn't there isn't this like list of like again, there was like fifteen hundred people arrested in, in a year under Anyas. Right. <laughs> <laughs> dozens and dozens and dozens of officials with the mosque that were just arrested for being with the mosque many many went into hiding you know what I mean actually hundreds of fi- officials sorry that were un- I forget the exact number that were under investigation um, or, or charged and dozens that had to flee the country I mean it's just like it's a shockingly if, if we are concerned with what's happening to Anya's if you're concerned about that and not concerned about what happened the last year you're politicizing the situation. Yeah. That being said, I do, you know, I, there that's it's possible. The Moss may take advantage of this. There may be folks that shouldn't be charged. I haven't seen that yet. For what I've seen has mm-hmm. been primarily high-level generals, leaders of paramilitary groups and Anyas, And really, you know, these are the folks that <laughs> carried out this this really horrific behavior. Right. Really, I think the government's, you know, if you were to hear the voices of the victims, they want to see a lot more people being held accountable because it's not just, you know, these couple of folks, it's, it's like mm-hmm. the, mil- the military massacred people right. and the military is now pointing the finger at Anya's and saying, well, she, she gave us the green light to do it. And <laughs> right. she's pointing fingers back at, you know, this is what happens. And what happens is so much dust gets thrown up into the air. Then people don't know what the truth is. And then the victims never get justice. It's, I, I believe it's a political tactic that's being utilized by the right to just make it, I mean, it's been successful. You see, like we are talking about the U S government's yeah. approach to this is really like whether technicalities are not some horrific things happen. And that's not even part of the conversation. You know, it's, right. he has become the victim after victimizing hundreds, if not thousands of people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, the, I mean, the context of the, of the American, um, of the American criticism of Bolivia is really silly, especially here in Alabama, where um, our legislature is looking to pass an, a quote, anti-riot law. That's what it's being billed as. But um, what it would actually do is, is give cops vast discretion, which everyone knows, like, that's not going to be abused. And um, if there is a situation where, like, cops feel like, it could devolve into into a riot, and they tell you to leave, and you don't. Uh, you can be arrested and hold on bail, and, and if you're arrested under this law, you're held uh, held uh, in bail in like without bail, like you can't bail yourself out for a minimum of twenty four hours. Originally, it was going to be forty eight hours. Now it's only twenty four, but still, like twenty four hours is somebody's going to lose their job because oh, of yeah. this without any damage or harm being done to anybody if uh, if the uh if the police sick their dog on somebody and a medic comes to uh from the protesters and a medic comes to give first aid to this person they can be arrested as a rioter and and charged and and uh, put which in happened per- in Bolivia to yeah
1: to a person that was a nurse that was uh, allegedly a nurse that was helping people wow. uh, went to jail for I think was charged with terrorism too I mean Jeez. this is the irony of, of of the these like allegations of political persecution I'm uh, uh, sorry under Anyas. yeah you know this yeah
0: is- yeah yeah right under anya's yeah that yeah good I, I knew what you meant but it's good that you clarified that um so you know, I, I think I think that mostly answers my question. And so you know, you you said like this is it seems to you that this is kind of a political a political ploy to get us talking about contexts and technicalities and laws and and whose fault is it and whose fault isn't and we're not actually talking about the victims of the coup and and so let's round it out by like you know going over one more time like what what was the actual toll on the Bolivian people of the coup government
1: actually can I hit rewind because I did just think of something that yes. I think is worth mentioning in terms of I think the government casting too not wide of a net but again I think it's it's just been it, it's it's really at the end of the day I think leftist governments have to dot their eyes and cross their teeth they're held to a different standard than yeah right-wing governments or governments ruled by people that are light-skinned like me in in countries that where people generally don't look like me and the government passed a proposed an immunity law uh, sorry an amnesty law for those arrested during Anya's. like i said there were uh i think the most recent calculation was something like 1500 political prisoners and Mm. so they're giving freedom to them Uh, there's criticism that this allows a lot of people to get out for that committed human rights violations and I actually agree. I think that some of the people, some like pro-MOS protesters uh, burnt homes or destroyed business, you know, like looted and, and did some people that carried out crimes will get away with that. Now, mm. this is the really, pro- and, but there's never discussion on nuance. Right. You have 1500 people rotting away in jails who've been in jails for like a year, quite literally, you know what I mean? Right. In jails where the pandemic is out of control With You know, really horrific conditions. So you have to balance like how do you deal with unfairly people that have been arbitrarily detained with those who actually committed crimes and justice for the victims of those abuses. And so that was criticized as well, I think, by the by Human Rights Watch, for instance. But it's this radically false equivalence of like giving immunity to soldiers who gun down people, which is unquestionably illegal versus finding amnesty to help many, many victimized victims who are in jail. Uh, these are just the intentionality is really different. Again, I think like my criticism is I think you if you do these kinds of amnesty laws, there's very you have to be very specific so that people, the right people get out and the wrong people, there is accountability for people that do this stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, this I think is less of a we're trying to, you know, let our friends out or we're trying to persecute people. I think it's more of a Hey, we're a country struggling in this crisis and trying to address all these things and recover after a year of, of just horrific abuses. And you have a country who doesn't have the um, this the strength of judicial institutions or you know what I mean, like right? A, a legislation, uh, you know, doing a, a you know not the best job is very different than going out there and trying to persecute people or allow people to you know get away with abuses. And I think it's just been mischaracterized. Um, mm. But I did want to highlight. I, so that would be one of my critiques. I don't think this amnesty law, I, I think an amnesty law makes sense under very strict conditions. But, you right. know, so there are mom- there, there are errors that this government is making.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it's like, I wouldn't even say apples and oranges. It's not even the same universe as, as what took right, place right. the previous year.
0: Well, and you know, speaking of nuance, it, it might it might be worth even, even considering like, okay, you know, they've been in prison for a year. Like, are there even any offenses for which you would be in jail for longer than a year? You know, I don't know if somebody burning burnt burned down a house, I guess probably, but but you know, that that takes, you know, it, it seemed to me that that even more would fall under that category, you know, people who were unduly, like, like unfairly put in prison, and then people who were um, put in prison, like, for cause, but that you know have time served, so to speak. Um, totally.
1: The problem is that this government—they're damned if they do, they're damned if they don't. They're in a no-win situation, and there is a very smart right with very strong mm-hmm. lobby in the United States that knows how to capitalize on any single mistake or misstep. Or, you know, lesser of two evils situations, they're going to jump on it. And and so, and again, I'm not saying like, I, I'm not pro Moss. I'm not pro any, I mean, I'm, I'm not really, (laughs) the like anarchist tendencies in me, you know, I don't know if I'm into any government, but uh, you know, this is not, I'm like a get out of jail card for them, but I think they're being held to a standard that has not been applied to people on the other side. It's being unfairly, you know, applied to them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I mean I don't I don't see how people could disagree with that. I I, you know like I said I I I, I've just been um, like gobsmacked at the at at the you know polite society international order uh, reaction to the prosecution of these people who carried out really really horrible crimes, and I'm just sitting here wondering like where. Where were y'all? Where where were they a year ago um, when people were being like murdered in the street? You know, uh, it's- you know, what
1: though? I think the elephant in the room, or maybe it's you know, maybe it is obvious, since at least to folks that know Bolivia, you know, Anya's is a very light skinned. She's a blonde um, woman who mm. doesn't have this. You know, I think that you know, as I mentioned, like. A lot of coups we think of coups is like the mustachioed banana republic military guy driving in a tank she doesn't right. look like that she looks like you and me more than she looks like the majority of bolivians you know mm-hmm. she, and and i think you know people won't say it but there's a lot of racism still and when indigenous people get killed or thrown in jail a lot of these institutions don't seem to care quite as much as when someone who looks like them does get thrown in jail and i think she has she's an articulate Educated woman, light skinned, and I think she's been able, she she looks like the victim. Even if you see the photos of her, she's wearing when she was arrested, she's wearing like a sweater, a sweatshirt with like a kitten on it. And it's Mm. like they've really marketed that like on social media to be like, oh, poor victim, look at she's got her kitty sweatshirt. But at the same time, you see an indigenous person bleeding who's just been beaten. And the language around that is, well, this savage narco-terrorist, you know, is trying to kill people or blow up. The city and and they deserve what's happening to them. So right. that, you know, racism is is really fueling a lot of this and, and U.S. based racism.
0: Yeah, well, and 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 the racism and how do you and and what and um, I mean, how do you feel about the uh, uh, uh capitalism as a you know, uh, Bolivia has I believe it's the world's largest lithium mines and uh, you know, in Biden's uh, you know like. Look, Biden's infrastructure pre- plan, plan looks great, but there's a whole lot of electric cars <laughs> in that infrastructure plan, you know. Um, and and like you said, Anez uh embarked <laughs> while she was interim president with nothing more than a mandate to if such a mandate even existed, the most the, the biggest her mandate was was to hold elections again while she was interim president. Uh, she embarked on a vast privatization scheme that never would have passed a vote of the people in Bolivia, um, and and you know how do you how do you feel about that as an explanation as well? Uh, you know, I mean, Biden. lot
1: so of, out of fa- I think folks on the left in the U.S. sometimes try to simplify it like natural, you know, resources in another country, U.S. imperialism. We want their resources, and mm-hmm. I think that's a piece of the the puzzle, the equation. But it's. I think it's. There's many factors. I think a lot of it's just discourse. Like Abel Morales was very outspoken. His discourse was very anti-capitalist. At the end of the day, he actually was pretty capitalist. The economy is capitalist. He did a lot of extractivism. He didn't sell it to the U.S. for less than market value, like Goni, the previous president, the, the guy that I have been suing all these years. You know, sold it to Enron and other companies for below market value because, you know, it, it didn't have that level of like, we're hooking you up. And so right. I think there was some resentment from that, but a lot of it's discourse and just this weird, you know, Cold War politics that still exist. Mm-hmm. And they don't like some guy saying, you know, the imperialist United States, and 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 so right. the idea of having, you know, uh, at least in, in discourse, a socialist country in their backyard, they don't like that. And and Anyas was certainly a free market. Friend, um, more so than Lucho, uh, who who still has a capitalist economy, but it's a lot more controlled and a lot of the resources I think are diverted more back to programs for working people and and healthcare and education. Um, But yeah, certainly Mm capitalism is part of this. And and really they just don't like people that don't play well with us. You know what I mean? There's Mm -hmm. this very colonialist, you know, they want to be the puppet masters in many ways. And I think there's resentment when you have people saying, no, screw you. Like you, right. you can't just come down and take our resources or we'll govern our government how we want to. Or we want to hold accountable people that killed a bunch of folks or that overthrew a democratically elected government. You know, that sort of US interventionism, selective US interventionism, uh, they push back on that. And I think the US doesn't like it. So I think that's a big piece of uh, what's, what's really fueling with why the US is, is just really taking the wrong approach on
0: this. Yeah you mentioned that um that Evo was you know like he 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 was a uh, he he was a socialist but his economy was not like Totally, like there were very capitalistic elements, and, and if you want maybe some more on that, uh, the our interview with Angus Mcnally from back in November was really interesting about the uh, uh, the way that labor and social movements played into uh, Bolivian politics from 2005 to 2019, and we talked about the um, we talked about the nationalization schemes of the mines and stuff, and how um, if you actually look at it, it wasn't quite. Nationalization yeah, as like
1: 50.1 percent or something, right. so it's a right. higher percentage, and, and and U.S. corporations don't like that, but it's not a state controlled
0: company, right? Right, which, uh, you know, which is straight, which which I i thought was strange as somebody who who perceived Avo as you know a very very socialist guy, but uh, you know, I mean. Like a lot of the other pink tide stuffs, uh, p- pink tide governments in uh, Central and South America, it was it was very much more kind of real social democratic politics uh, as a, with with socialist rhetoric as opposed to, you know socialist rhetoric matched yeah. with fully it socialist looks like policies or right. Sweden
1: more than it does, you know, yeah. Cuba at the end of the day. And well, then- I mean, even
0: less like Norway, because 50% of the wealth in Norway is owned by the public, you know, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like publicly owned, they get they have a, a, a national wealth fund or something, and, and their oil is completely state owned. You know, I mean, their resources are are yeah. completely st- it, it, it's like um, nor oil or something. You know, I, I, I can't r- recall what it is, but it, it's like a, you know, I mean, that's real nationalization in, in Europe. But, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's because uh, what you were saying earlier, uh, it was white folks doing it. So it's not as big a deal. And and uh, we're, we're uh, folks that America does not perceive as kind of our backyard, so to speak. Mm-hmm.
1: No, I think I think you're right, because really, it, it you know, it, it's not a that, that it's the funny thing is that, you know, all the rhetoric around this Castro Chavista communist state and all this stuff. It, it's really, you know, Scandinavian light with mm-hmm. with a little more fiery rhetoric. And, and I would say that Lucho, the current president, his rhetoric uh, is not any more radical than anyone in you know Norway or Sweden or Denmark. Uh, it, it's it's and, and, but then they've just kind of been. Pigeonholed as this kind of like rogue leftist socialist state uh, and an enemy basically to, to American values.
0: Right, I know that this isn't your wheelhouse, but um, but I I just thought about it. I'm a, and, and, and I'm a union guy, so I'm I'm interested in uh, how how is the how integrated is the labor movement currently and in, into you know this is way off of the human rights subject, and if you don't if you don't know, that's fine. But you know wh- how how are they how are they reacting even to these even to these concerns about maybe potential uh, you know um silly concerns about human rights violations and but. Uh, but but the trajectory of of the Arce government maybe more broadly
1: so I'll, I'll just rewind a little just to give some context so I think you know the labor we talked about this last time I've never seen anything like labor in Bolivia I mean if something is ha- you know in, in Sucre if the domestic workers union says one of our workers was killed on the job, You'll have the entire city of La Paz shut down because, the you know, the miners will come into town, the cocaleros, the campesinos. I mean, they mobilize. It's amazing. There's there's a lot of power by the unions, um, particularly the beginning of the Morales government. It started to fade because it was somewhat co-opted by the governments. Uh, when Anya's came to power, you know, there was no real dialogue between the unions and the, the government saw, you know, really treated them like they were. You know, animals, or, or Castro chavistas or narco terrorists, and so they had no role uh, in this new government. Um, I think there's more optimism. Um, that being said, Lucho was very much, you know, he was the economy minister under Abel, and he is the one who really had this kind of mixed socialist, communist, or socialist and capitalist economy, um, and so he's he's more. I would say he's more conservative uh, economically and not, not conservative, like by us standards uh, on any level. Um, so I'm not, it's not clear what role the unions will play. I mean, certainly the unions supported him, um, and voted for him. He won with 50 plus percent, just, just completely knocked it out of the park in terms of, you know, beat the second place candidate doubled what the second place candidate had. So it was a a very big win. Um, you know, when he gave his acceptance speeches, uh, one of the major union leaders who, unfortunately, was killed only a few days later, um, mm. allegedly by paramilitary groups. But there's, you know, the information specifics have not come out yet. They were part of that. They've been part of these meetings. I'm not sure what's going to happen. Uh, I think I- I'm speculating. I think certainly more so, way more so than under the Anya's government, that unions will have a play a big role. Um, I think Lucho is a plays it is a very safe uh, uh, president in terms of you know not a big risk taker. I don't think he's gonna nationalize half the country. Um, and he was actually really successful. I should just mention that Bolivia had the fastest, and may still, I don't know about this year after the coup and the pandemic, but had the fastest growing economy in South America for several years mm-hmm. under under Evo's government with Lucho as the head of the uh, Minister of the Economy. So I think he's gonna continue Flash. The path he had, which was somewhat capitalist, somewhat socialist, extractivist, pretty good with labor. Uh, I wish better with labor. Um, again, I, you know, I my critiques come from the left. So I, I do have my criticisms of the government. Uh, but I don't know yet. You know, they're really basically he inherited a, a mess. You, he inherited a country where 30 percent of the people want to overthrow him, you know, where right. or maybe even more. Or at least 25% are saying racist things every single day and are beating up indigenous people and doing horrific things, uh, where you have a pandemic, where you have a struggling economy because Anya has mismanaged virtually everything uh, when she was in power. So mm-hmm. a lot of his policies, it's just getting to the point where he's starting to implement policies and we're seeing, okay, what kind of president is is Lucho going to be in terms of his relation to social movements and the labor uh, movement?
0: Right. So uh, you know, I think that's a good place to round it out, um, and 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 we can wrap it up by you know reminding folks, like, uh, you know, like like you talked about wanting to kind of center the victims of the coup government, and and being kind of dissatisfied at the fact that that uh, the conversation is around like is what Moss doing right rather than what did the victims have to suffer. So let's um, so you know r- remind us of what. Uh, what the folks did that, that are being that are being prosecuted by the, the Moss government.
1: I mean, it, it starts with removing a democratically elected president and his vice president and president of Congress and president of Senate and dozens of other officials who resigned under duress and then implementing, putting in power an unelected president, having the church and the Brazilian ambassador from a very right-wing government being part of this conversation, a bunch of unelected officials chose this woman. She came to power and then rather than calling for elections, which has happened years ago in Bolivia, the similar situation happened. And the person called elections immediately. She didn't call elections. Instead, she just started forcing through this right wing mandate and, and, and jailing opponents, shutting down critical stations, uh, overseeing massacres, torturing, you know, allowing torture to take place in, in, in jails and, and other places, uh, empowering paramilitary groups who carry out murders and tortures and other crimes. And there needs to be accountability. If not, again, Bolivia suffered for more coups and revolutions than virtually any country on this planet. And there needs to be an end to this sort of behavior. And there needs to be accountability. If there's not accountability, it's going to happen again and again and again. And it can happen on the left and right. Right. And that's why this is, you know, like, certainly my politics are left. I don't pretend that they're not. But no left-wing government should do it, nor right-wing government. And all this is doing is sending the message, it's okay. You can overthrow a government, and then you can kill people who, who, you, who speak out against you. And if they right. don't hold her accountable, it's going to continue.
0: Right. Uh, Thomas, thank you so much for talk, taking the time to talk to us. I know that you're really busy. You're doing real people things. And uh, you know I, I appreciate you uh, As taking are you. the time. I, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us about this. Uh, I, think, I think you're doing really good work. And so I, I appreciate you... Um, uh sharing with us.
1: Thanks. Always happy to. really enjoy All right. it.
0: All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so folks, uh that was uh Thomas Becker, International Human Rights Attorney. Um and uh and make sure that you're following us everywhere we're going to be talking to brandon magner he's a labor lawyer on saturday about what the amazon union election would have looked like if the pro act had been law then we're going to go down to brookwood to walk the picket line with some striking mine workers so uh make sure that you're following us uh, so that you get all of